श्रीमद भगवतम कैंटो इलेवन चैप्टर ट्वेंटी टू वर्स थर्टी नाइन वी आर स्टार्टिंग टूडे वी हैड डन वर्स थर्टी एट सो आई विल जस्ट गिव यू अ स्मॉल रीकैप ऑफ द वर्स इट्स एज द माइंड वेन इट इज इन्वॉल्व इन फ्रूटिव एक्टिविटी द सेंस इज ऑल्सो गेट इन्वॉल्व इन इट एंड इट गोज द वे द मटीरियल वर्ल्ड मूव दैट मीन्स it sees the right and the wrong the good and the bad the white and the black so we transform our thoughts our actions and our deeds into something that is good and something that is bad this in turn terminates into what is called as a constructive action it is called a fruitive action when the fruitive action happens and the mind gets involved in it because you use the mind for understanding the right and the wrong the moment you use your mind it transforms into a karma a karma is something which you need to pay back it's a payback this leads us to future lives that means we will be reincarnated many number of times because the karma will never end the reason why you need a guru is because there has to be somebody who can guide us into getting out of the cycle of life and death that is we will be reborn again somebody who has to guide us through that so now we are going to do shrimad bhagavatam canto 11 chapter 22 part 2 the verse is 39 elements of material creation is the chapter this is a dialogue between uddhava and shri krishna shri krishna is answering uddhava verse 39 when the living entity passes from the present body to the next body which is created by his own karma he becomes absorbed in the pleasurable and the painful sensation of the new body and completely forgets the experience of the previous body this total forgetfulness of one's previous material identity which comes about for one reason or another is called death i will read the verse slowly once again so you get an understanding it's very simple english when the living entity that is us human beings passes from the present body to the next body which is created by its own karma that means whatever karma that the person has done it is getting it the next body it is literally like buying a ticket for the next one he becomes absorbed in the pleasurable and painful sensation of the new body and completely forgets the experience of the previous body this total forgetfulness of one's previous material identity which comes about for one reason or another is called death so now what does this entire verse mean the first concept which got introduced was rebirth why does rebirth happen 
a simple material worldly answer is rebirth happens because there has to be some repayments to be done you know we have to repay certain things what is the repayment now it so happens that if you recollect in the bible there is a story of adam and eve what happened to adam and eve they were in the garden of eden later on they ate the fruit i'm just making it very compact they had two children one was cain one was abel and abel got killed now this story started here just imagine there is a story which begins somewhere so at that point in time the eating of the apple or whatever fruit that was supposed to be the murder two crimes got committed something which was not supposed to be done got committed that means there were laws at that point in time do you agree with me there were laws so you cannot kill somebody that is a law you cannot eat forbidden fruit that is a law so there are laws you cannot do this you should do that you can do this you can do that these are the things which are mentioned so then where was the problem the problem started when cain killed abel then what happens there is no way of knowing what happened thereafter so this explanation stops over there and the idea of hell and heaven was introduced what is heaven and hell we have always thought you know there is one heaven where you go and enjoy and there is one hell where you get roasted toasted or whatever right i mean this is basically what we think of now think about it why would somebody want to after death when you don't have a body what is the point in going to a rotisserie or going to a you know a place where you are going to be put through torture i mean why should a person do that and why is it that somebody who does something nice goes to a place where he gets to enjoy all the good things in the world think about it what does all this mean the concept itself is flawed because the idea that somebody is not going to get something and somebody is going to get something for what reason so there is in our material world we have you know the carrot and the stick you know we use this method which is called carrot and the stick the stick is given to a person who doesn't obey you and carrot is given to a person who obeys you who does something in life if that was the case then your question would be why is it that there are people in this world who may be the biggest villains in this world why do they have so much money why do they have so much of wealth why are they becoming presidents and prime ministers of countries i mean think about it if these guys are one of the worst characters on earth then why are they becoming actors great directors producers these that presidents prime ministers why should they get it if the law of this world states that a person who is bad should not be doing all this yes this law has is completely out of sync with our way of understanding logic doesn't prevail over here 
So what is logic in this? What is logically going to happen? Logically, if you were the God Almighty, then the one thing which you will do is you will punish these guys who are doing something wrong, isn't it? But how do you do that? So you introduce a concept called hell? I mean, think about it. There is this man who has made so many movies or there is this man who has minted money on earth and he should be going to hell. Why? Because he did something wrong. But you want justice on this earth, isn't it? Every human being will say, I want justice on this earth. Why should I bother about some hell somewhere? I don't even know whether hell exists or no. Isn't that the truth? You want justice here on earth, isn't it? And that is where the concept of rebirth came into the picture. Rebirth comes because you want justice. Man says, logically, I think I deserve justice. And what is the justice? If I am poor and my brother who is a villainous character is a rich man, where is the justice? If Cain is such a villainous character that he killed his brother, where is the justice? So the justice will only happen if the roles are reversed. The roles are reversed, isn't it? And that role reversal can only happen in some other life. Think, I want you to think logically. If there is Cain and there is Abel, and this person kills this per another person, that is Cain kills Abel, there has to be rebirth for repayment, isn't it? So in some life, both of them will be standing in front of each other, then this person will have to kill this person. Then only there is an equalization. You should understand that the scales of justice will only get equal when that happens. This is not a story of Merchant of Venice, by the way. A Merchant of Venice, I am sure you know those who have read Shakespeare, will understand Merchant of Venice was the story where this particular person, Shylock, asked for something which is not right. And there has to be justice given. And justice, that means you have to be absolutely just. That is where the concept of rebirth came into the picture. So, Krishna is saying, when this man translates his life from one life to another, that means he goes from one place to another, transmigration, then this thing happens. When the living entity passes from the present body to the next body. To the next body. Now, let us say in this body, man has done lot of good things, lot of nice stuff. He has donated to charity, he has helped the poor people, he has given, you know, a lot of social service, that means he has served the society, he has been very nice to his wife, his children, everybody around. He has been a genuine person. He was genuinely kind, compassionate, loving. Now this person needs to be rewarded, isn't it? You better have some reward for him. 
otherwise he dies of cancer or something like that would you say that is a reward no you would say oh my god this person doesn't deserve to die like this why did he die like cancer you know with cancer or maybe he meets with an accident and it's a it's a very violent kind of a scene maybe he gets shot down in some place so at that point in time you will say why did that happen so krishna says this person deserves to enjoy in his future life somewhere so now translation of that so in the next life or some other life of his he gets to get all kinds of things which are pleasurable things which will give him pleasures things which will help him now take a reverse case there is a person who has been literally a very bad person he has done all the wrong things in this world he has cheated he has killed you know the drug dealers kind of thing whatever he was a villainous character so you say that this person needs to suffer so in some life of his he will have to come back and he will have to go through painful sensations now i want you to think very carefully think absolutely focus over here have you seen that there are people who literally go through a terrible phase in their life maybe they are suffering very badly from birth they have congenital diseases you know congenital maybe there is a problem of the heart maybe they have they don't have legs they don't have hands i don't know some kind of a problem is there maybe they are not mentally stable maybe they are born autistic and the question in your mind is i had a baby and this baby should have been perfect but why is that baby autistic why is he paraplegic why are these problems to that child does this answer you there is something which that person might have done in some life of his maybe the person was born with you know legs which are terrible i mean maybe he is lame i would like you to think what this person could have done in some life of his maybe he has run his car over somebody's leg it could be the case isn't it definitely it could be the case or that person might have raped somebody or killed somebody or done something terrible you know the story which is there where the man had kept two women or three women in one place for many many years i'm sure you have heard that story what does that person deserve you think by sending him into some jail somewhere is going to help no that man has gone old and what kind of a torture or something can recoup the whole thing it won't this is something which has to be equalized now you will understand why is it that some people have to suffer from the beginning or somewhere in the middle or somewhere in the end it is programmed in them or some people are enjoying their life there are people who are there in that forbes and fortune 100s and 500 list 
there are people who are enjoying huh? and they have got money from the moment they are born I'm sure you know those great rich people in this world also who were born with the silver spoon in their mouth that is what they say no or they are they are the princes and the princesses isn't it the prince and the princesses there's so many people in this world now you will wonder prince andrew and so many other princes are there and lady diana she died a violent death but how is it that they were enjoying their life they had so much of money they had so much of fame there were you know people following them with their cameras why was it so or there are people those who become very famous actors children who are born and who are from the day one they are enjoying their life some people get admission in colleges just like that whereas there are people who suffer very badly they don't get admissions they have to work really very hard some people get their spouses which are terrible and some people who get spouses who are very loving so did you understand why this happens when the living entity passes from the present body to the next one which is created by his own karma karma is the past actions he becomes absorbed in the pleasurable and the painful sensations of the new body and completely forgets the experience of the previous body now i want you to think about this person who may be a billionaire do you think he is going to remember what he did in his last life nobody remembers isn't it or somebody who is suffering very badly now suppose you have a child now there are lots of people in this world there is this lady called bree now she is looking after all those old people right those who are dying and she is sitting next to them and their family has deserted them nobody is there to take care of these old people who are dying or the young ones who are suffering then what happens think isn't it what they might have done to somebody in their past life if there is a son who has not taken care of his parents or the parents have not taken care of their children what is the thing that you would do for such a person to get the judgment you know you should give justice you should give justice and when you have to give justice what is it that you will do you will reverse the roles out isn't it if you are god almighty don't you think you will reverse the roles out you will make the parents into that son and the son into the parents and make the whole thing equal that's exactly how it works but when the person is going through his pain or pleasure he doesn't remember his past life okay the memory doesn't exist this total forgetfulness of one's previous material identity which comes about for one reason or another is called death why is it called death if you were to remember you know how much, how big a trouble you would be in suppose you were to remember what happened in the previous lives you could get into very big trouble there is one story which i tell you all i am going to repeat the story here once again this is a story from the mahabharata 
It's an epic. Bhishma Pitama is lying on a bed of arrows. He's lying on a bed of arrows. Now Bhishma Pitama was a very spiritual person. Though he was fighting with the enemies and against Krishna and Arjuna, when on his deathbed, by the way, he had Ichamrutyu. That means he could die whenever he felt like. So, in the end, he calls Krishna over and asks this question to Krishna. He says, Krishna, can you please tell me what wrong have I done to lie on this bed of arrows for so many days? I have not done anything wrong. So Krishna says, you are such a great person. You remember all your past lives, isn't it? So Bhishma Pitama says, Bhishma says, yes, I do remember all my past lives. So Krishna says, do you recollect a life when you were a king of a particular country? And Bhishma says, yes, I do recollect that. Do you remember on this day you were going through the jungle? And Bhishma says, yes, of course, I remember that. Do you remember what happened when you came across a dune, a particular place? He says, when I was going, I was riding my horse, suddenly I found a chameleon, you know, that small creature, it was crossing the path. And Krishna asked him, what did you do? I stopped my horse just in time. Otherwise the horse's leg would have crushed that chameleon. Then what did you do? I removed my sword. I gently lifted that chameleon and put it on the side of the road. Krishna says, that is the reason why you are suffering today. He says, what are you talking? I saved the chameleon and you are telling me because I saved the chameleon, I should suffer like this? Krishna says to him, do you know what happened to the chameleon after that? You dropped it on a cactus plant. And you know cacti? You know the cactus, how it is? It has got those multiple thorns. Just imagine a creature falling on the thorns. Doesn't it look like exactly how Bhishma Pitama is lying over those bed of arrows? At that point in time, the right and the wrong thing came into the picture. Immediately, Bhishma Pitama said, But don't you think I was doing good to that creature? I was trying to save him from getting crushed under my horse's hooves. And Krishna says, Think about it. If God has programmed the death of that creature, under the hooves of your horse. Who do you think you are to save the creature? Any which way it was programmed to die with your hands. So you lifted it and you put it on the side. It fell on the cactus and it died a miserable death. So finally you killed him. This was programmed in the system. But you used your mind to 
try to save the creature. This is a very, very difficult lesson for anybody to understand. Please. When we think I am doing good to this world or when you think that there is something that I should do, I mean a villainous act or some bad acts, your mind has come into play. And remember the previous verse where I told you naturally occurring actions which do not involve thought process, do not incur karma. But the moment you start thinking that this is good or this is bad, this is right or this is wrong, you have incurred karma. Natural actions. You know natural actions when, what are they? You will find that the breeze is blowing very hard and suddenly a branch of tree drops on somebody and kills him. You have seen, you know. Is it a natural act? It is 100% a natural act. Do you have anybody to blame? Nobody except God. You know, we can say God did that. So this action doesn't involve anything. Whereas a thought out action, oh, I will ensure that this happens. It's a thought out action. That involves karma. Now I want you to remember yesterday's story. Do you remember yesterday's Star Wars we had, you were talking about? Luke Skywalker is sitting in the mountains over there and he doesn't get involved in any of those action sequences after he has done the first two episodes. You remember this? What is he doing? He has gone to the mountain to become a sage, a saint or whatever you may call him. Even if the actions are happening, he is not involved in the actions. The Death Star, so many other things happening. You, you remember all those episodes after that? He doesn't get involved in any of those. The sage, a person who is spiritual in nature, doesn't involve himself in any action whatsoever. He is not distinguishing this action between the right and the wrong or the good and the bad because his mind is non-existent. Did you get the whole link of it? When you think of an action, the mind has come into play. We did this yesterday. I told you how you give birth to the mind and karma and action. Isn't it? The moment you think of something, the moment you put the material activity, you are doing some material action. See, I am sure, you know, I am trying to explain this in a very slow and a steady manner. I hope you understand this. Materially, I am doing some action. In this material world, some action that I perform, this action culminates into some fruits. Fruits means something comes out of it, good or bad. This good or bad, when I think of it as good or when I think of it as bad, I am putting 
I'm categorizing it. There is a category which I'm putting it, right and the wrong and the good and the bad. Huh? And the moment I do this categorization, my mind has come into play. So you give birth to the mind if you think about this fruitive action. Bhagavad Gita says, if you involve any action and think of the fruit, you are involved in a karma. Explanation? I am writing my examination so that I can come first and I can get admitted into Harvard. You have already thought of it. Are you not focused on the fruit then? One example. Second example. You know in this world there are lots of people they say my wife or the husband and the wife together they are not having children. So every time they will say I am trying for a baby. Have you heard this? When somebody says, I am trying for a baby, are they not bothered about the fruit? The fruit is the fruit of the loom. We say that, the child. So the moment you are focused on the end result, you have committed a karma. If you think that you have made some object and you are going to sell it, and you have already priced it to sell it, you are focused on the end result. Whereas the sages are not working like that. How do they work? They do work, isn't it? You have seen Jesus Christ also or Buddha doing something or the other. How do they work? They are not bothered about the fruits. They will do some act and they will go away from there. They will do another act, they will go away from there. They will do the third act, they walk away from there. They are not waiting for some thank you or something like that. They are not waiting for somebody to say. Just imagine Lazarus. You know the story of Lazarus. Hmm? He walks out of that tomb. And just imagine Jesus Christ is standing over there, gloating over it. Just think this situation. <laughs> I gave him birth, okay. And then the wife of Lazarus says, Thank you, dear Lord, I'm so happy. Jesus, you are the greatest thing on planet Earth. Oh my God, blah, 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 blah. And then the whole village fetches him. You know, he says, they carry him on the shoulders and, and do a dance around the whole village. Is that what is required? Did Jesus do that? No. Jesus walked away from there. He just left that place. He never waited for any thank yous or whatever, you know, the accolades that he may get. He was not bothered about it. He just walked away from there. But whereas, look at us. You see, we are thinking, Oh, I have done such a great job. I should get a Nobel Prize. What do you mean by Nobel Prize? Do you get the point? If you keep on thinking about what is it in what is in it for me, what is in it for me, that is called end result. If you are working in a company and you are thinking, oh, I deserve to be paid, you know, I did so much of work. I'm sorry, you are bothered about end result. 
and this is what is going to keep you locked in karma. The sages do not work like this. You know very well, those who know, I mean those who have been with me, think about it. How many people have come and gone? Somebody is asking for the life, somebody is asking for cure of cancer, somebody is asking for their child to be saved, somebody is asking for the, you know, the, the, the people who are going through this problem, that problem. If, if I keep on thinking like that and say, you know, okay, okay, I will grant you this, come on, that, that is stupid. And just imagine, I am waiting for the results, okay. Oh, I got cured. So, I got a job. Guruji, thank you so much. I want to give you a million dollars for that. I'll ask, I'll tell them, this is the door, get out from here. I'm not interested in your money, neither am I interested in any of your, you know, praises or something like that. If I have to bother about your praises or if I have to bother about what you're going to give me, then I'm the stupidest person on earth, I'm committing karma. I'm not worthy of telling you or teaching you anything. This is what happens. The moment your mind has come into play, you have started the action of karma, which means rebirth. See, the entire theory, the entire theory about rebirth has been explained to you over here. Okay? I don't want to elaborate further than this. I think you have got the gist of it. If you do any action in this world, do not bother about the results, number one. I'm just giving you some do's and don'ts, okay? Don't bother about the results. Don't bother about the why's and the wherefores. If you have certain things to do, okay, an example maybe. Now let us say you have some money in your pocket and your friend says, can you lend me $50? Now you have 100 in your pocket and you say if I give him 50, I will be left with only 50 but I have to go and buy certain things in the market which is going to cost me over $100. How can I lend him 50? So, so you say to your friend, I'm sorry I don't have. You have already performed a karma. You have denied the person $50. Okay? Second scenario, the person is asking for $50, you immediately put your hand in your pocket and give him the money. And you say next, next time when you are returning it back, you have to give me 100. Oh, you are already bothered about the result, is it? That means you want return on investment, $50 gets converted into 100, is that so? <laughs> so this is not a done thing, that is also karma. Third scenario, the person is asking you for money, you put your hand in your pocket, you give him 50. You are not even waiting to say that you should return it to him. You got it back, you know, you are not bothered about getting it back and you just walk away from there. Hi, bye and go away from there. You don't even think about that situation, you just do it because it has to be done. All the mothers over here will understand this very clearly. You do this action with your child. 
you're not bothered that the child is going to repay you back anything, isn't it? So a mother does these kind of actions which do not require reinvestment, you know, getting it back. No, no repayment required over here. The mother feeds the child. She's not going to say, oh, you got to pay for the milk that I gave you. Mother doesn't say those kind of words. Then why as a human being today are you asking for things like this? This is something which you should not do. If you really don't want to come back to life again and again and again and you know, make a miserable life of yours, then you need to cut it short over there. Don't expect anything out of a person. If you have done some good kind act, do not expect return on investment for that. Don't say, you know, you need to repay it back in the future by being kind to me. If you have given some place a person to stay somewhere, don't say to that person, you know, you got to give me when I come back. No, no, no. You know, recently I met a person and we were just talking. This person said, I am from Jaipur. So, said, we may come to Jaipur. The thought occurred to him, oh, I don't have such a big place. I have a small place, but you can come and just let us inform us when you are coming. I immediately told him, I'm sorry, if I travel, I do not travel and I stay with people. If need be, I will stay in a hotel or some such place. I'm not going to trouble you by staying at your place. But if you give me that place on your own, not bothering about your discomfort, then you have performed what we call as Nish Kaam Karma. Now I have introduced another concept called Nish Kaam Karma. What does Nish Kaam Karma mean? Nish Kaam Karma means an action which does not have fruitive results. What did I say? You perform an action not bothering about any results. Got it? So, you do it just like that. JLT. You say na JLT. What do you mean by just like that? You do it without any expectations, without any results, without any get backs, you know, getting it back. No discount coupons. Okay? Otherwise, we are bothered about discounts, isn't it? We are bothered about a lot of things. I have paid the entire full money. I should get something in return. You wait for the gifts, isn't it? You know, as a kid, when I used to go to this, uh, uh, there used to be a petrol pump next to my house. As a kid, now Christmas is coming around the corner. So I would go and stand. I was a kid, you know. I would stand in the queue over there, waiting for Santa Claus to give me some gifts. So I will sit on his lap and then Santa will give me one something, you know, some lollipop or something. I don't know what, whatever. And then I will still keep on looking at him like this. Expecting something more and then he will give me something else. Oh, that is called expectation. In life we have expectations like this. This is where we have to put a stop to it. What is this Nishkam Karma? Nishkam Karma means without expectation. Doing actions without expecting anything. Why do marriages fail? Do you know why marriages fail? It is not because of love. 
or not because of hatred it fails because we are expecting something out of the other person the wife expects the husband to perform in a particular manner the husband thinks the wife should be doing this when you have expectations there is no love the term unconditional love means not to put any conditions in the way so it means no scratching back you understand what i am saying there is a term you know i scratch your back you scratch my back no such thing your job is to do your job unconditionally if you love your husband love your husband not because he is getting money not because he is doing something for you not because he is you know kind or whatever no you just have to love that person now think about what i was talking about when jesus christ was concerned he gave unconditional love to everybody right what did he do he just gave he just gave he just gave everywhere even when he was dying on the cross he said these words that nothing should happen to these people just because they do not understand what they are doing he was very compassionate he was not bothered and he didn't tell his father father i am going to show these guys you know next life i'll come and and make a roast out of them he never said these words to his father otherwise think you know what we would do in the circumstances i'm saying i'm going to kill you i'm going to do this to you i'll do that you know all those comics that you see tom and jerry or you know the road runner you understand what i'm what i'm saying jesus christ never said i want to get even with these guys he never said those words on the contrary he said forgive them lord because they do not know what they are doing this is unconditional love then he is not expecting even retribution from anybody no no this is what it means to be in love with a person don't expect anything and when you don't expect anything when there is no fruitive action it is called nishkam karma and that doesn't involve any kind of repayment if i have to market my courses just think about it you know uh, yesterday i was i told you i was watching something this gentleman charges for 5 days 5000 dollars 2500 people attend his sessions there is a payment at the end of it because he is going to give something to them just imagine if i were to say oh i am conducting a class and you need to pay me so much of money that is the stupidest thing on earth here i am teaching you about nishkam karma and there i am going to charge you for it no this knowledge is free please understand this there is no money involved there is no nothing you don't have to pay me anything it is free it is for you to use in your world just the knowledge and what is my happiness my happiness is when i my guru i have a guru you know that my guru feels mighty pleased about me and he says oh you are you are done a good job 
I am not bothered about he saying these words to me, but just to see that smile in his face. That's it. I am more bothered about that smile on his face. If I have to bother about oh how many million dollars am I going to make? I have done so many good things, you know. No. This is not what is required. So this verse is important from this point of view. Do not get involved in any fruitive activity. If you are involved in an action, do not expect anything out of it. Just do it. There's a rider over here. You understand? Riders are there. What is a rider? Hundred percent effort. Don't say, "Oh, I will put half my effort." No, you have to put your heart and soul in the job that you are doing. How many people of over here have attended my satsangs every now and then? You know, tell me something. You have seen me at the beginning of the day at four a.m. in the morning, and you have seen me at ten p.m. in the night also. Do you see me talking vigorously in the morning, or during the day, or in the night? If I have to maintain my tempo, or if I have to tell you something. i have to be good in the morning in the afternoon in the evening and in the night also the same level of energy the same amount of effort 100% of what i have i have to pour in this it's not half hearted thing i have to put my heart and soul in this and i have to work hard so that you can understand so even if you are having a satsang at 9:30 in the night or at 12 in the in the night i still have to be performing to the peak capacity that god has given me do you understand what i'm saying that means any job that you do you need to put your heart and soul in it without expectations so no end results you are bothered about you're just going to do your job perfectly and move on to the next do the next job move on to the next do the next job move on to the next is just like that four years from the age of 28 to 32 jesus walked and started doing all kinds of things in his life you know after the sermon of the mount do you think he took a break or what oh i need a break you know i'm going to the european nation somewhere i'll go to france maybe i'll enjoy my life you think that's what he did i'm sorry jesus christ walked from there he went to the next town he went to the next town then he went to the next then he went to the next that's what he did the great people in life they do not wait till the last day of her life mother teresa was working i'm i'm sure you know this even she was a frail old lady but was she not working to the highest capacity and here there are people who at the age of 60 will say oh i need a break you know i've been working all my life i'm a senior citizen Every time when I look at these people, I think about them. I say, "Oh, you are seventy, sixty-five, seventy years old, and okay. If this is a time when you want to have children, you can have. My God, you are you are greater than Charlie Chaplin's of this world, or you have nuts. And yet, when it comes to doing work, oh, I am an old man. You know, I can't do this. I can't do that. What do you mean by old man? And you can't do this, and you can't do that. You got to put your energy." To the highest capacity, even if you are going to die till the last minute of your life, but don't expect anything. This is what he says. Otherwise, you get into the cycle of karma. 
Okay, I know this verse has been literally a drag, you know, for some. <laughs> Sorry, but let us say, I hope you got the lessons of your life. This is very very important, and the story of Bhishma Pitama is extremely important. Don't think you are doing something right in this world. Okay, you just got to do it. No, I did good. Don't say that I did good. Just do what you got to do and move on. If you have to do something, just do it and move on. Natural actions are important. For most charitable Uddhava, what is called birth is simply a person's total identification with the new body. One accepts the new body just as one completely accepts the experience of a dream or a fantasy as a reality. The next verse is equally important. You know, there are lots of people in this world who say there is no Jesus Christ, there is no Bible, all that is fake, everything is wrong. And they say, oh, the Christians believe that this world started 6,500 years ago. You know, that's what they say. Are they wrong? No, they are not wrong. Let me prove it to you that the world started for them 6,500 years ago. This is a very, very dicey statement. Remember this. When does your world start? The moment you open your eyes and you are born, isn't it? You agree with me? Your world begins the moment you are born. So what happened before that? I don't know. Isn't that the answer? I don't know. Have you seen your parents' birth? You understand what I am saying? You can visualize your birth when somebody is taking, you know, maybe shooting a video or something and you can see it on the TV screen and say, yeah, I saw my birth. Have you seen your parents' birth? Have you seen your grandparents' birth? No. So your beginning is the moment you started understanding by opening your eyes and seeing in this world. This earth has undergone a lot of changes. Hmm? There have been deluge, you know, water covers the entire world. So many times. And every time when the water covers the earth, the next generation comes into existence. Now, there is a person over here who has done stories which are way before Noah. We are doing books where Noah's story is repeated multiple times. Brito can tell you that. In this Bible, which we are doing, which I am doing with him, the same story is repeated n number of times. That means what has happened? The earth has been inundated many times. And every time when a new generation has come into existence, it takes his birth at the time when they started the whole thing. So, when Bible says it is 6,500 years old, they are right about it. It is after a deluge something has come about. And every time when there is a new beginning, that should be taken as the day of beginning, isn't it? Whenever the whole thing starts, once again. So, there have been numerous people just like Noah. This is one answer. 
and it is written in a book but it is not understood second concept which is which is you know people in this world think that there are gods you know in in india in our country we say 33 crores that is 330 million gods are there and this is say oh my god what kind of country is there 330 million gods are there you are your people are going nuts you know another very beautiful book says about sophia hmm? about the creation of this god yahweh or jehovah whatever you want to call him yahweh he was born to sophia and sophia and her entire kitten kin comes from a domain which is called the godly domain or what we see as the deities and this deification this in between layer are called small g o d s the g is written as small g and the father in heaven is written as capital g o d so in the christian books also there is this theory which is mentioned they are called aeons and archons so why do we say that they are wrong or we are right or we are wrong and they are right we don't have to do that because every religion says the same thing people really don't know about it and because they don't know anything about it that is why they keep on talking nonsense so any person who says 6500 years ago the person came into being the earth came into being they are right from their point of view because they can only say when they began okay and there are various these kind of epochs across the board so the, though the earth is billions of years old it does not matter got the point there is an explanation for everything so krishna here says what is called birth is simply a person's total identification with a new body you can only identify yourself in that birth because of the body that you have but you cannot identify what you did in your last life right so if anybody says was jesus born again and again 100% and when when they say there is a second coming of course there is a second coming who says there is no second coming you think jesus didn't come in the last epoch also he came then also and before that yes of course and before that yes of course it's an endless cycle of birth and death likewise krishna has been coming constantly and you and i have been meeting in every life of ours you may not believe this but this is what it says one accepts the new body just as one completely accepts the experience of a dream or a fantasy as a reality so birth gives us the knowledge that we exist in this world and our knowledge says 
I have a body. So we will stop over here. This is what the verse ends at. So next time onwards we will do verse 41. So I will do a small recap of what I said today. Everybody gets a new body. They forget about what they did in the past one. In the new body they have to go through a certain karma. Certain actions have to be performed. The body undergoes pain, pleasure and various other things. Identification with the body makes us think about the pleasure and the pain. This in turn tells us about actions which are motivated by end results. We are bothered about end results. The moment you are bothered about end results, you create a new karma. The new karma in turn gives you further births because you have to repay that karma. And this identification with the body gives us the cycle of birth and death. This is the synopsis of what we did today.